Welcome everybody, my name is Karush AK and this is the Market Meditations Podcast. We chat with fascinating people from around the world to extract mindsets, routines, stories and habits to help you build richer lives. If you've ever wanted to go full-time crypto, let's learn from someone who's done it. If you've ever wondered what the difference is between gold and Bitcoin as an investment, well this man's written an entire book on it. We have on the show Quinton from the popular YouTube channel Young and Investing. Let's dive deep and learn as much as we can from him. Before we jump into this episode, don't forget that I send hand-picked market news, insights and education to over 6,000 traders and investors three times a week. To get access to this, all you have to do is sign up to karushak.substack.com. That is karushak.substack.com. Meditators, welcome to another episode of the Market Meditations podcast. Today I have with me Quinton. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, Kurush. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the way I found you actually was um, one of our mutual friends told me that you were just sharing my content on really big platforms, your local community platforms, uh, which I really appreciate. That was an awesome thing to do. Then I looked more and more into you, found out that you've been grinding hard through the three-year bear market. You've managed to build a business for yourself in crypto. You've been very successful investing and even written your own book. Incredible, Quinton. Could you tell me a little bit about those bear market hard times and what was happening there? Because it's easy to talk about the good times, but let's go start from when it wasn't so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always um, good to learn from the bad times. I think these, these spirits are... Um, the best for your life in terms of, of learning stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm happy to share that because like in, 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 I joined actually crypto in, uh, in 2017 and everything was very good back then, um, did some good investments. But um, throughout my life as an investor, because I'm already investing since my, since my 16, um, I never experienced like a real bear market. So I, I knew it in theory what a bear market was, a long-term bear market, but I never experienced it. So when when the bull market was over, um, beginning of 2018, and the bear market started, I really had no clue what to do. So that was literally my biggest mistake of my life, and I was like balls deep in uh, in altcoins and and some yeah some not so good altcoins, not high quality altcoins. So these. Yeah, uh, substratum especially this one <laughs> literally, literally almost killed me. Really, um, so yeah, a good portion of my portfolio was in, in substratum and and some other bad uh, altcoins. And and yeah, throughout 2018, I lost um, more than 90% of my portfolio, even 95% wow. of my portfolio. So that was very very hard. It was also very hard to keep up with the YouTube channel because barely anything came in anymore in terms of revenue um so i was very demotivated um i lost so much of my of my portfolio so it was a very hard time i must say um but i always before you continue two questions just uh because i'm sure our listeners will be pretty curious number one i don't know if you're comfortable sharing this how much was that 90 percent hit uh it was a lot it was um a range give us a range yeah, it was like six figures um, wow. that, I, that I lost. Well, in six figures, so um, <laughs> yeah, it was was not a good thing. But yeah, an I'm, expensive lesson. And also, mm-hmm. the second part, but something else I'd like to know is where was your YouTube at this stage? So we have some context over what you've built during the 2017 bull market. 
Yeah, my YouTube channel was actually um, pretty big by that time. Um, it was like at 50k subscribers back then. Um, nice. Yeah. I mean, but after that, it didn't <laughs> grow a lot anymore uh, because of the bear market. I mean, like not a lot of people were, were interested anymore in, 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 in joining crypto or, or watching videos. Yeah. So it really, yeah, it was very silent back then. Um, I didn't upload a lot as well. Um, but yeah, there's so much more to the bear market than just the price going down because yeah. uh, before you experienced it, you think it's just the price going down, but it's interest going away, opportunities definitely. going down, everyone having less money. So you make less money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like just your portfolio going down is one thing. I mean, like your, your entire business, um, not seeing, having any, any revenue anymore is like very hard thing. I mean, like you mentioned, um, the, 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 the businesses didn't want to uh, sponsor you anymore or, or the, the sponsor that, that were there, they, um, yeah, they didn't want to pay a lot anymore or they were like very bad quality. And I didn't feel, I, I still don't feel comfortable in, in promoting stuff that I don't like or whatever it might be like leverage trading platforms. I've never been a big fan of promoting that. And these were still there during the bear market. Um, they they earn a lot of money so they can spend a lot of money on marketing. So, but I never did that. I mean, like in, in, in entire 2018, I, I literally, I just made a few thousand dollars on my youtube channel it was nothing to live for from um but yeah stuff happens and you learn from it i mean it was the the, the, the best year of my life because i had to, I finally the time to to do research and to um yeah to 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 learn a lot about investing and to learn a lot about market cycles etc and also back then in 2018 the end of 2018 the idea of writing a book start like brewing in my head so uh i didn't start writing until 2019 but um yeah it started back then definitely no you said you did a lot of research during the bear market so was that how you primarily spent your time yeah definitely i mean like i only made like one video a week um and the rest uh, or two videos a week back then and the rest of the time i really spent like researching um i didn't know a thing about ta for example and i really yeah, went went big into researching TA, how to do it, um, because I was very skeptical towards TA in the beginning, um, especially towards trading of TA. Um, but yeah, once you research it, I mean, like, there's definitely a lot in in it. But um, yeah, that's one of the things I did, and 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 market cycles, and yeah, I mean, like, just the entire experience of the bear market um, brought me a lot in terms of knowledge. You you often hear that. I mean, um, in crypto, like one cycle. Uh, of, of four years, more or less, um, in, in the in the traditional markets, this is like t 15 to 25 years. So the experience that you build in such a, a short amount of time is so valuable. Definitely. So what would you narrow down as your top bear market lessons? What have you learned from that last bear market? So this, when the next one comes, and it will, what's going to carry through for you? Number one, take profits. <laughs> I'll never, ever let my portfolio go down with 95% again. Um, so yeah, definitely that's number one, take profits along the way up. I mean, I didn't how, do that enough. Sorry? How, how, how do you take profits? Because uh, it's easy to say take profits, yeah. but how? How are you taking profit, for example? For, for me personally, I, I set some, some fixed targets. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, and, and 
don't like um, put your targets too high. Just start with, yeah, I'm just going to give an example, like take 20% of your portfolio out when Bitcoin hits a new all-time high, for example, if it breaks through 20K, then take 20% out, you have that and you probably have some good profits as well because at that point, every investor in Bitcoin is in in profits, you know? So um, these things I think are very important um, to take profits and especially set targets. Um this is very important and 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 also diversify your portfolio. I mean, currently I'm 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 still most of my my net worth let's say is still in crypto, but I also have like a bit um in uh, commodities and gold silver. I have a bit uh just cash right now um in my bank account even though cash is not so good. Um and I have a bit of real estate as well. So I mean like the diversifying is also a very good thing because after all, crypto is very volatile and you never know what's going to happen. So it's never a bad idea, in my opinion, to to uh, to take some profits along the way and to diversify a bit. Yeah. Nice. Um, then if you lost that 95 percent, when did these profits come that you started uh, taking profits from? Because we had the bear market. You studied during the bear market, but we're still missing the part of the story where stuff starts to turn around again. Yeah, I mean, that turnaround only came in the beginning of 2019 uh, when things were getting better again. Um, I invested, I think I did some good investment during the bear market. I invested in um, when Bitcoin was like 6,300, when a lot of people thought that it wouldn't go below it, it broke through it and then it went to 3,150. But uh, I invested on that point, so 6,300, I invested on... um, at uh, 4,000 as well as 3,400. So these three uh, times I invested some fiat um, back into crypto. I didn't take a lot of profits, but at least that boosted my portfolio a bit again. Um, so after all, I, I, I was quickly in profits again because once we hit like 3,150, it went up quite quickly towards 14K. We know the story, of course. Um, so yeah, back then, um, I finally started going into into profits again and, and took out my initial investments pretty quickly again in 2019. So that was like really the, turn, the turnaround, beginning of 2019. 2018 was horrible for me. Um, entirely uh but yeah 2019 was 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 good and especially like 2020 of course was very great and also in 2019 that that really saved my my long-term portfolio in my opinion in 2019 i invested in Chainlink um pretty early let's say on when the price was uh, was 60 cents so i made a very good profit with that um and that really saved 2019 entirely because yeah right now it's like uh times 20 from that point already uh, yeah it's um absolutely blown up chainlink so good spot there was now i wanted to discuss more about youtube but we've come here to the investing so we'll come back to youtube before we go there was that fundamental analysis do you think that what how much of that was luck and how much of that was calculated skill that you managed to get chainlink so early um, I think it's a bit of both. You always need a bit of luck, of course. Uh, you can only um, analyze like um, a cryptocurrency so well, uh, but it still needs to deliver, you know? Um, same thing happened, for example, with Substratum. What they wanted to do, in my opinion, was great, but they totally went to, to nothing eventually because the team didn't deliver. And eventually, yeah, they they, they just fucked up, to say it like that. Um, yeah, but it's, you always need a bit of luck, even though you you... 
recognize something that is that that could be valuable that is that is great um, and i had the same feeling for for chainlink it was really when i found it i thought like this is it this is the key um piece of infrastructure that is still missing in the crypto space especially in the blockchain space as well um to get like this off-chain data on chain we need this this is really necessary for blockchain to go mainstream um so i was very very enthusiastic about it from the very beginning um but still the team needed to deliver because I invested before even mainnet came out. Um, so there was no partnership at all. There was only like um, still a white paper and, um, and, and yeah, the testnet, et cetera. But the mainnet only came out after that. So I had a bit of luck as well, but I think it's a combination of, of these two things to recognize the opportunity that is there, to recognize the, the, the missing uh, piece of infrastructure in the blockchain industry, as well as, of course, the luck. But I am lucky that the team... Um, delivered, of course. So it's a bit of both. So what would you highlight now? Um, and I, through researching you, I know you like fundamental analysis a lot more than technical analysis. What does your fundamental analysis incorporate? Because uh, you mentioned missing piece of infrastructure, and that was a fantastic one. What other things do you look for? I learned to look uh, more towards the team. I think the team, the team is the beating heart of a project. Um, and if the team doesn't deliver, you're screwed. It can be like a very good project. It can, the concept can be amazing. It, it could be like key, uh, a piece of infrastructure that is missing. Um, but if the team is not good, there's nothing going to happen. So this, in my opinion, is, is one of the most important things. And I, I really learned to um, appreciate that more. So, of course, the team is very important. You have the concept. You have like... Um, the, of course, the upwards potential is also very important if you if you look to fundamental analysis, like uh, what is the market gap right now, what could be the market gap, etc. So uh, these things are very important. But in my opinion, uh, the thing that I learned, especially throughout the last few years, is the team. Um, I really underrated that before, definitely. Um, if I saw like a good concept at I mean, like I saw like a team that was decent. I thought like, yeah, okay, let's do this. But now I'm not going to uh, to be like um, invest. I, I don't want to invest in something where the team is just like decent. I really want to see like uh, a world-class team, definitely. I agree. I, I double down on what you've just said in my own personal experience. Um, whenever you come to a new space, uh, you value ideas a lot. Because ideas are great. It's like, oh, that idea is great. It's absolutely going to work. Um, and let's take Facebook, for example. Facebook is a fantastic idea because it's a social media platform. It connects people. But there were loads of ideas before that that now don't even, like, does anyone know what MySpace even is anymore? Like, there were these platforms before it. It all comes down to execution. So many ideas, but at the end of the day, if you can't execute, that is so much more difficult than coming up with an idea. Uh, because that requires so many rarer skills, like discipline, like the ability to follow through. Definitely, I can I can only agree with that. I mean, like I think a lot of people. It's not only us. I think a lot of people um, underrate like the team of of the importance of a team within a project. Um, I think many people look to the to the concept side of things first before looking to the team. But I really learned to look to the team first and then towards the concept or what, what do you look for when you look at the team what what specifically are you looking for what things are like oh that's good i want to invest in that especially experience network is important um and 
And yeah, of course, uh, yeah, skills, of course, in general. But I mean, like experience is very important. If you don't, if you don't have like a CEO or something who has like the right network or the right experience, then you can already know that not a lot of things are going to happen. I mean, like, you know it, I know it. A network in life is everything. And this is the same for, for like a company. Um, and, and, and also a crypto project. If the CEO doesn't have like the right network and the right experience, then it's, it's already very difficult to, um, to let the project succeed, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely. Uh, network is a great thing to look for and experience. It's a bit of a tricky one in the crypto space because it is a really young space. And a lot of the people with the specific skills tend to be young, but a balance can be stricken between the two. And occasionally you find those unicorns which happen to have both experience, the right skills, the right network. And those are the ones you double down on. So going back to the YouTube side of things, is that your main business, would you say? Uh, what would you describe as your main job right now? It's definitely YouTube. Um, yeah, 100%. So um, actually, it was a very, very natural thing how I started with YouTube because I actually start, started in the beginning of 2017 and, and there was like not so much information around. Um, so it was very hard to, to, uh, to look into cryptocurrency projects and research them. Um, so I literally spent like I was I was a student back then. So I spent nights uh, researching crypto companies and I thought like, yeah, this this could be e this could be more easy. And I think that's also like the more or like the the entrepreneur in myself that recognized like the 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 potential of this market, because I thought like, yeah, there is nothing like this yet. And it's so difficult to research a project. So what if I just put all this research, research together, which I just did in a few days or a few nights, whatever, and put it into a video of 10, 15 minutes. And then I started with that and immediately it was like, um, it immediately took off. I mean, like my first few videos already had a few thousand views. So I know like, yeah, this is like a business opportunity. Um, and very quickly, even I, even if I was a student, I was a student back then, um, some money started flowing in. And just a few months later, in September 2017, I started doing this professionally. So yeah, my main business is still today uh, YouTube. And I mean, it's it's getting better and better right now. I'm also taking it to the next level right now, uh, which I think is necessary in the current uh, the current crypto space. If you see like the competition that is popping up on in YouTube, it's like difficult to Twitter. I think you can agree with that. I mean, people just follow a few people. On, on YouTube, but on Twitter, they can follow hundreds of them. And you just see like these small pieces of information on Twitter. To comment on that, just uh, as you leverage me, that to comment on that, it's completely different. Um, I'm trying to get more and more involved in the YouTube space. I think I love the video format of communication, but it's worlds apart, completely different. So I'd love to hear your perspective because you came from YouTube to Twitter, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I didn't use Twitter um, for, for at least the first year so until I, I think i started using twitter from from the half of 2018 onwards but still wasn't very active um on that platform so uh, i only started really being active on it in 2019 only uh, the end of 2019 even and uh, it's it's entirely different so i mean like on youtube you really need to get your audience engaged you really need to have like your audience that doesn't need to go to another channel to find the information you need to give all this information so they stick with you for twitter this is something different like i said small 
pieces of information are there on Twitter and they just scroll down and they can follow 100 people. No problem with that. But no one can follow 100 people on YouTube. So if you want like engaged viewers, then you need to engage them. You need to like step up your game uh, regularly and, 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 and get them like coming back to your channel. Otherwise you lose these followers and these subscribers and, 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 and yeah, then, then you will be forgotten. So I think it's very important more on YouTube than on Twitter to, um, to step up your game regularly. And, and I think I waited personally, I think I waited too long with that. Um, and just, Actually, last month, I, I really made the decision for me, like, yeah, I need some help from someone. Um, and yeah, right now I have someone who, who is who is doing my my video stuff, who's going to um, make like a new setting of my on my videos, which is coming next month. Um, he's doing the editing, uh, the thumbnails, etc. So he's, he's, he's helping me with the creative side of things. Um, and I think that's necessary. Otherwise, I think that if you see right now, if you look to YouTube, you see that there are two things coming up this year. So two types of YouTubers uh, that are very popular. The first group is like um, people with like a very nice setting and who are very, um, very easy to watch, you know? Like it's very nice to watch their videos. It's a good vibe. It's a good like setting in, in, in general. A very good example of that is CoinBureau. Um, he went from nothing in the beginning of the year. And right now he has like over 100,000 subscribers out of nowhere. But he brings amazing content and especially his his setups are are so great. Um, it's very nice to watch him. Um, and then you have like the second group of people that this year really popped up. And this is like the group who 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 does a lot of clickbait. I don't like to to judge that because it's their re- it's their good right to do so. But um, you need to have like something in between to stay relevant on YouTube more than on Twitter. So you really need like some a bit of clickbait, but also like a nice setting so people like to watch you and like to come back. So that is the thing. And that's what I'm also going to work towards uh, in the coming months personally. Do you think clickbait matters if you have um, really good quality content? So, so you can be as clickbaity as you want to get people there, but then they stay because the content is good. Yeah, I think it matters. I think it matters um, because otherwise there's only like a, a smaller group of people that would come to your channel. If you don't have a lot of clickbait, it doesn't need to be like um, all like caps lock with 100,000 exclamation marks. That does That's not necessary, but at least it needs to trigger something in the person that, that he or she really wants to start watching this video. So I think it matters. Otherwise you will, yeah, you will be eaten, let's say it like that, <laughs> by all the other YouTubers who do use clickbait. And of course it improves your algorithm as well if you have like a higher percentage of like people clicking on your videos, etc. So it, it matters, I think it, it does. It, it sounds really important and it's fascinating hearing you talk about it because you've got a lot of experience in YouTube, specifically crypto YouTube right now, because before 2017, that really wasn't that much. So you're arguably one of the most experienced people to talk about this uh, topic. So it's really interesting hearing from you. What tips would you give? Imagine one of our listeners uh, wants to get involved in crypto. They think they're really good on the video front. How would they get started on YouTube? That's a good question. I mean, for now, it's 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 already a lot harder to start with YouTube, but nothing is impossible. Like like the examples that I gave, um, Coin Bureau, he was like 
not a lot a year ago. And right now he's one of the bigger guys on YouTube. Um, and with reason, he brings like amazing content. His setup is really good. It's really, yeah, it's nice to watch his videos. And I think that's a good tip towards like people who wants to start with YouTube as well. Uh, first of all, you need to upgrade your algorithms or you need to uh, maintain them. So you uh, need to upload, upload regularly. If you upload once or twice a week, you're not going to get like a good algorithm. Um, so you need to upload like four or five times a week. You need to have like an, a good thumbnail because thumbnails are also taken into the algorithm right now, which wasn't the case a few years ago. So they're also like scanned and a few keywords on the thumbnail is also very important. Title is very important. And um, the first few sentences of the description is also important. All these things are taken into consideration uh, to make your algorithm um, and that's very important to understand, first of all. But of course, the main thing, like you mentioned, is, is still the quality of the content. Um, after all, you can be as clickbaity as you want, but if you bring like bad content and then you're not going to make it anyway. So that's, of course, the first thing. And I think being unique is also very important. That's also something I'm going to try right now with, um, with the guy who's going to work with me. Um, so to make it a bit unique, to do stuff that other people didn't do yet, so you can position yourself um, in um, in a niche within, uh, actually, it is already a niche itself, but a niche within the niche of, of uh, crypto YouTube to uh, to be some, a bit unique. I think that's very important for uh, for people who want to start with, uh, with YouTube. Uh, yeah, those are some great tips. Uh, now, I'm going to follow up from that and say, okay, so now you're in YouTube. How do you monetize? Because you mentioned earlier you avoid working with certain platforms and you have very specific criteria. Uh, how does someone start making it a full-time job like you've managed to do so successfully? Yeah. So, um, yeah, first of all, the, 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 the ad revenue right now on YouTube is very good. Um, I mean, like in crypto, there is a lot of money going around and it's such a niche that... Um, that the advertise, advertisers on, 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 on crypto YouTube videos, they pay very well. If you compare it to other YouTubers, this is such a, a, a big difference. I mean, like you can, you can calculate that per 100,000 views right now on, on, on crypto YouTube, you can get around $1,000, maybe a little less than $1,000. And that's a lot. I mean, like normal vloggers. So let's say, uh, Mr. Beast or something, he gets like, uh, only like thirty to sixty dollars per one hundred thousand views. So for crypto, this is like uh, twenty fold more or less that 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 we get. So ad revenue is fair, is important. You're not going to get rich from it, except of course if you have like fifty k uh, views per video, then you're you're making a very good revenue every month. But uh, the main income for me personally is from sponsors as well. I have some long term partners like Crypto.com, which is a very nice one. And, and Bitpanda and Bitpanda Pro more, more specifically. So these two long-term partners are both products that I truly believe in. I think it's always important to stay genuine, to, to not promote stuff to your followers that you don't believe in yourself. So that's why I only have like crypto.com and Bitpanda Pro right now as long-term partners because they, they have like amazing platforms and I, I, I use them myself. So why not? Huh? So, um, yeah. and of course, another, th the third thing is, is, um, is other sponsorships like sponsored reviews or, or, or partnerships where you get like, um, a referral link. Um, very soon I'm going to work with the company who made like these, uh, 
um, pullover. So for the listeners, they don't see it, but it says like a Bitcoin established in 2009. So um, I'm going to work with them. And I mean, it's it's a cool thing to do. I, I, I love to promote stuff like this. And if you can um, earn a bit from referral rewards uh, by promoting this, then I mean, like that's that's nice, right? So yeah, yeah that's, that's how, I, how I personally do it. Yeah, that's like a um, treasure trove of alpha. Absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. The topic of sponsorship is a tricky one in the crypto space because um, there it's this has started to shift now. People have started to accept it as a more mature business. But initially, the group was so small and so against any type of advertising or sponsorship that you would get a lot of heat, a lot of flame for trying to make money, trying to exchange your time and content for money. And you've been around since 2017. Have you noticed that shift as well? Yeah, 100%. That was like a very clear shift. Um, I would say in 2019, this happened, this shift. In 2017, I even made a video at a certain point because I was so tired of it. Me personally, um, back then, there were ICOs, a lot of ICOs. We know that 2017 was the ICO hype. Um, And... I, I always said in my videos, like, yeah, this is a sponsored video if I reviewed an ICO. And you could see the difference between me mentioning it and all the other YouTubers back then who didn't mention it. And it was I was so tired that I, at a certain point, even made a video to say, like, look, guys, we need to make some money. And I only promote you stuff that I that I genuinely believe in. And and. I mean, like I even I even mentioned that it's sponsored, but you always should do your own research. But these other YouTubers, they didn't do that because of this reason, because I always received like a lot of hate and a lot of um, thumbs downs on on these videos um, because the word sponsored is there. Um, in 2018, there were not a lot of sponsors like I, I earlier said but in 2019 this really started again and 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 then really all these youtubers they 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 started mentioning that that stuff was sponsored uh, and this, there's nothing wrong with that if you genuinely believe in it then there's nothing wrong with a sponsored video or a sponsored section in your in your in your video um but that was a clear shift because in 2019 everyone just suddenly started saying it like yeah this is sponsored and people started to accept it, I think, uh, from that point onward. So right now, it's still a bit of a problem to some people, um, but I think most people understand the fact that you need to make money and and that you only do stuff that you genuinely believe in, and that's the most important thing, in my opinion. Uh, I'd add, uh, to take the other side a little bit as well, uh, there is a burden of responsibility on us as content creators to explain to our audience how this is required. Because um, we, especially in a space like crypto, a lot of people assume just because you're a big figure in crypto, you must be super rich and never have to think about money again. And um, that even if it were the case, doesn't justify the fact that we shouldn't be trading our time for nothing. So the fact that we are trading our time for money, when that's communicated to the audience, it's like, hey, I've got this sponsor coming on. And thanks to this sponsor, I get to make more free content for you. When we make that message clear, I think it really reduces the amount of hate that gets brought on. Uh, And yeah, it's just a nice alternate way of looking at something like that. 
Now, Quentin, um, I'm going to move on from the YouTube topic and let's switch gears and get back into the investing. I've seen from a tweet, and I don't know if this is still the case, that your portfolio is 75% Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Link. Is that correct? Yeah, that's 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 still the case right now. Um, it wasn't the case a few months ago, but I, I can genuinely say I had a very good summer. So I invested in some stuff that really... Um, brought me some some good money um, and I, I converted all of that or almost all of that um, to Ethereum and Bitcoin. So I bought my chain link in 2019 and I'm still holding the same amount. I didn't sell any. I didn't buy any anymore. It's just still the same the same amount. Um, but I did that um, because I, in my opinion, um, it's the safest way to play the game to have like, in my opinion, these three like some good amount of Bitcoin, some Chainlink, and some Ethereum. So these three combined are indeed like 75% of my long-term portfolio right now. The rest are like um, a basket of different cryptocurrencies, smaller altcoins um, that I'm just holding. And from which I think like if they perform well over the next few years, I'm very happy with that. If they don't perform well, I don't care so much because 75% are in these big three, in my opinion, the big three. Um, so it's still the case. It's still 75%, yeah. Yeah, well, interesting you said about the 25% on the other and the comfortability with it not performing. I guess both of us are on the younger side of investors, so we can afford to take on that sort of risk. Now, you mentioned earlier that you've looked into real estate. I know you have legacy market exposure. How do you balance that within your crypto portfolio? So. How do you bring crypto into the picture, the bigger picture of your net worth? <laughs> I think crypto is still like eighty uh, percent or something of my of my total network. It's it's a lot, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 like you mentioned. We are we are still young, and I think I personally don't have a lot of responsibilities right now, and that's like a, a very nice thing. That's like a lux luxury position, or how do you say it? um to to have this to be able to take that that these risks so for now i still want to um to to grab these risks and 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 to try to get like the risk reward in in of course a very positive way um but it's still 80 percent right now and and um yeah these other 20 percent are are actually just in case that crypto fails then i still have some real estate and still have some some stocks i still have some gold and silver uh, etc so but i i believe that in the next few years crypto will perform well so that's why they are still 80 percent of my portfolio yeah i'm glad you're comfortable with 80 percent. that would uh, be difficult for me to sleep at night if i had that 80 percent exposure but i know there are a lot of people in crypto who have that heavy all-in mindset and I do understand it. It's a very binary thing. Either we're going to really make it or it's just not going to take off at all. And while it's interesting to see how that's going to play out, Quinton, where does your book fit into all of this? Um, between your YouTube, your investments, where did the book come in? Why did the book come in? So the book was actually, like I said, an idea of the end of 2018. I started writing it um, at the half of 2019. Um, and then I was able to publish it at the, the biggest and most prestigious um, publisher here in Belgium, um, which I'm actually very proud of because I didn't expect that at all. I had like a list of, of like six publishers and uh, the very first one, um, I just wrote them an email 
and thought like, yeah, um, let's see what happens right now. Let's see what happens. And after a week, I already sent like an email to the second one on the list. And then the day after that, this first one um, replied that they were interested in it. Um, so it's very cool because right now the book, uh, it's it's out since the beginning of of, um, of October, the end of September, actually. Um, but it's in, 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 in all bookstores uh, since the beginning of October. So it's very cool that you can right now in Belgium just walk in a bookstore and my book is there. I just received a, f- a picture yesterday that my book was next to uh, Rich That Poor That. I mean, like, how how, how cool is that? Like, under under investing uh i mean that was so that was so cool to see um but how it how it fits in in this entire picture for me the book is important to build my reputation in belgium and the netherlands i think i still have a bit of a handicap in my opinion because i'm not like um a a native english speaker but i want to also leverage that and just use my international um connections and, and and my international what I'm building right now in crypto um, to leverage that to the to the to the uh, Dutch speaking part of the world like Belgium and the Netherlands and to get myself there honing in on that Belgium niche uh, that makes a lot of sense I can see a lot of advantages and it's similar to your YouTube strategy you're carving out a unique niche becoming the guy who yeah. owns that bit it's into that so well yeah, exactly. And that was the reason why I published it in Dutch first, because there were, first of all, no books in Dutch about crypto. Um, a friend of mine also uh, published one earlier this year, but we didn't know that from each other. I didn't know him back then as well. So there are right now only two, let's say, good books uh, in Dutch about about cryptocurrencies. So um, one of them is mine. And, and I think I have this entire niche market, especially... Um, towards the future that's very interesting because I I don't want to do crypto forever um, or at least not the way I'm doing it right now because it's a very lonely existence. I must say it's not like glitter and glamour to be like a crypto YouTuber. I can say that I have it. It's difficult sometimes to be alone all the time, to be in the same um, house all the time. That's That's difficult. So I don't want to do it forever. But after that, I really want to do something else still with like um investing and maybe like making a company if that's inside or outside crypto whatever uh, i don't know yet um but it's good to have like a reputation then and and the book is is perfectly fitting in for that because right now here in belgium i am seen to not not to brag but i am seen as one of the uh, experts in crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some other ones as well, um, like Tur de Meester. I, 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 you definitely know him, uh, but he's like the god here in here in Belgium, yeah. even though he lives in, in Texas right now. But he's also yeah. Belgian. But apart from him, there is not a lot of influencers coming from, from Belgium. So um, it, that's actually why I wrote the book. And I hope maybe one day we can also publish it in English. Let's see if, if, the, if the Dutch book is performing very well. And if um, if the feedback is good, then we will publish it as well in, in English. But the main thing is to build reputation here in Belgium and the Netherlands, definitely. Uh, I mean, if it's showing next to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, surely it's performing really well already. I, I don't know. I, I don't get like numbers regularly. Um, so they are only going to give me like a number several times per year. So I don't know how, how many there are sold uh, already. 
But uh, yeah, I hope it's performing very well. I receive a lot of pictures from people who buy it in stores or, or who are reading it. So that, that's, that's awesome to see. But I have no idea how it's performing right now. That's, that's a bit of a pity. I, I mean, like, I really want to know, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Amazing. So what was your biggest challenge getting this book together? Like, because it seems like it's going well now. I understand the motives behind why you've put it together, but not quite like what it took to actually make the book itself, um, how you decided what goes into the book. Yeah, um, it, it has been such a process. Um, I have been writing this book for half a year. So this was really like a process of, first of all, this idea needs to brew in your head um, and you... Um, you have some topics that you want to discuss in the book um, or what not to discuss in the book. That's also very important. Um, and then, of course, you just need to do it. It's it's the same thing for everything in life. Just just do it. Just try it. And 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 of course, there is a first letter that you write in a, in a Word document f- for the book. And that feels like, yeah, it's going to take such a while. You know that it's going to be, be a big process and maybe you're not even going to earn a lot from it. That's also not the intention with the book, by the way. Um, the money side of things, I don't care about that because you're never going to get rich uh, from a book, especially not if it's, if it's in Dutch only. Um, but it's, it's a process and you need, yeah, you, you really come to, um, you really come across yourself several times. So it's, it's, you need a lot of, persistence to to keep on going and if you didn't work on it for for a month uh it's very hard to start again and do all this research and the things that you think that you knew you you go research it again and again so it takes a lot of time It, it it's a lot of work but yeah i think it was a very nice challenge for myself as well so uh this is how it actually um came together um it was like a very natural thing because there was not a lot of books about bitcoin and crypto and in dutch um but it was also not a very easy process so um yeah i'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm proud that i that i did it and and that i managed to publish it um in in in, in such a way like in the biggest publisher here in belgium that's that's not nothing um so i'm happy that that i did a good job and 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 that I didn't need to self-publish it. Otherwise, it would be more difficult to get like the exposure and the marketing uh, behind it. So, um, yeah, it ended well, luckily. Of course, Quinton. I mean, you should be really, really proud. The biggest publisher in Belgium. I mean, that's the biggest deal. Like, what more do you want from the book besides um, the numbers going up? I mean, you've done an incredible job. It sounds Six months is quite fast to write a book as well. You must have been working hard at that. So congratulations uh, with that. Now, um, I know because you said the book isn't about money. For specific purposes, you are moving to the Netherlands. Is that correct? Yeah, I I moved to the Netherlands in the beginning of this year. So earlier in 2020, Uh, the timing was very bad, I must say, because I, I moved only three weeks before this European lockdown. Um, so we we just moved. Luckily, my my, my uh, girlfriend um, she also moved with me here. So uh, we lived here for for three for three weeks, and then there was like a lockdown, and I didn't see my family and friends for three months because the borders were closed. So that was also very hard. You are like literally twenty four seven in the same house. You don't see your family, not your friends. The only person you see is your 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 girlfriend. That's it's not easy. I mean, like we managed to get through it very well, but it was not an easy thing to do. But why we moved to the Netherlands is indeed because um, in Belgium, the, the taxes on crypto are 
uh, insane. Um, and I have no problem with paying taxes, but not if it's like 50% on something that um, doesn't need to be taxed at all. I mean, in Belgium, we have a rule. I don't know if, if it's like in, in other countries as well, but if something is already taxed and you are investing it and the profits that you get with these investments are always free of taxes, but not for crypto. For crypto, it's like they say like, yeah, we cannot apply the same rule because it is speculation. I mean, the the things that I'm doing on the traditional markets and stock markets are also speculation. I mean, like I know more about crypto and I know more where crypto is going than I than I do where the stock of Tesla is going. Let's say it like that. It's also speculation to buy Tesla at a, the crazy valuations that it is right now. You know what I mean? So I think it was it I think it was very unfair and I didn't want to pay like 50% taxes on all on my crypto profits because of that reason. And here in the Netherlands it's like an entirely different system. Here it is just um taxed as like uh capital just so you just say like to the to the government i have this much capital and then you pay taxes to it it's it's just that simple so um yeah that, that's why i moved exactly yeah i'm gonna jump in there uh it's really frustrating because when we're younger we look at governments as these perfect entities that just they're like a machine they make decisions they make correct decisions but as you grow up as you get more involved in the system you realize wait a second these are just people these are just people sometimes making very stupid or ulteriorly motivated decisions and with crypto i would say it's a bit of both one a misunderstanding of what it is from the people in power making these decisions they're just disconnected from the product and the other is ulterior motives they're trying to get control over it um, i'm sure you heard about the fca ban in the uk and what they did is they banned all derivatives trading on crypto alone because it's risky and it encourages gambling. And the net predicted loss was something like 50 million, which is a drop in the ocean when you bring into play casinos and normal derivatives trading. Just, it's nonsensical. And Cantor and Clark gave me a really interesting um, view on why this may be. And that is, they want crypto, they know crypto is happening, but they want it on their terms. They want it to be their playing field. So put in the rules, get everything old out the way, and then we decide how we move forward. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, like you mentioned in the, in the United Kingdom, um, like derivative trading, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it, but I, I just don't want to promote it. I don't care what other people do with it. Um, I mean, people also go to casinos. People also do sports betting. I, I mean, like when a few years ago, when, when I was like 18 years old, all my friends were doing sports betting, but it's the same thing. I mean, like if you if you ban derivatives trading, then you should also ban like other risky stuff. Um, it doesn't make sense at all. So I think the same thing here here in Belgium with with the tax stuff. Um, I always say here in Belgium, I'm sitting in the Netherlands right now, but uh, in Belgium is the same thing. Like um, if you apply the rules, please apply it for everything. In the same way and don't like um just do something else for crypto because it is crypto and and you think it's it's like more risky than 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 all the other th other stuff but i mean some people really know what they're doing i think most people um who invest in like bitcoin and etc they know more about it than the regulators so it doesn't make sense to me 
And they're the ones who are going to suffer because yeah. they're losing people like you who want to stay there, who want to keep paying fair money to the government that do a great job. But if they make you want to leave, then you're going to leave and they're going to lose that money. And they're going to lose people like you who, like you said, your name, thanks to your book, thanks to the amazing YouTube channel you've built and the work you've been doing, you're one of the top crypto names in Belgium. Uh, it's just you know, it doesn't make sense. No one wins. Uh, they really need to speed up with putting the right regulations in place. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, people like me, it's not It's not only me. I mean, like I see people around me as well. They, they just, everyone with like a decent portfolio, they just want to leave. I mean, Netherlands is just so close to Belgium. Uh, for me personally, it's like only one hour drive to, to go to my family and friends again. I mean, that's nothing. Um, just living across the border, uh, but they're going to lose all this money. Indeed, it's it's like a very stupid thing to do because I am going to pay my taxes right now in the Netherlands, and now the Netherlands can receive my money, and maybe I'm I'm going back in a few years. I don't even know yet, um, but we'll see. But it's it's very it's a very stupid thing to do indeed for the government, and I think it's also because of a lack of understanding. Uh, what is going on? Also, of course, because they want to protect the system, uh, obviously. But um, I think in first place, it's because of a lack of understanding how crypto works, what it is doing, where it is going. And I think a book like mine, they should really just read it and they will understand why we are in crypto and they will understand the flaws of a fiat system and what is happening right now. Um, and maybe they will look um, in a different way towards crypto um, after that, but I think like, yeah, it's not good right now. Definitely not. It's not. But uh, again, I, I love looking at the alternate side of things. A huge advantage of this is the reason there's so much money to be made in crypto. The reason YouTube advertising is 20x what it is anywhere else. All of these are because people don't understand it yet. It's because the market is so inefficient. So serves in our advantage. Now, one thing you've mentioned a few times now is that you really don't like leverage trading. Now, I, with leverage trading, have there's two sides to the coin. I think it's actually a fantastic tool that really has its place and can benefit a lot of people, but with the correct education in place. I also think there's the other side that people shill it really irresponsibly, um, but it's not enough for me to completely avoid it. Why do you completely avoid it, Quinton? I don't personally completely avoid it. I, I do it sometimes myself. I know from I know that I'm not a, a very good trader, um, and that's a good thing if you know that from yourself. But um, I do it sometimes. I mean, like if if the stars are aligning and everything looks amazing, then I, I I do some leverage trading. But I don't do it on certain platforms, and I also don't promote it to my followers because I know how much money. Um, I I'm not going to to name the numbers right here, but I have the information about how much money the followers of certain YouTubers lost. And they receive like a paycheck at the end of the month from certain platforms on the amount that their followers lost. And I find that very irresponsibly. You do whatever you want. You, I know, Karush, you are good at, at trading. I, I I definitely would say like, you should do it because you you know how to work with it. You have the education. You know how to to master your emotions and how to do it. But a lot of people don't. And also most of the people who watch certain YouTubers, their videos, they don't know how to do it. Otherwise they wouldn't be watching their videos. It's just 
that simple. So if these YouTubers just promote it and without any disclosure, without any um, risk warning whatsoever, then I think it's just very, very irresponsibly. And that's why I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it uh, with my to my followers because I don't want to them to get wrecked and to lose all their money because they don't know how to do it. That's the reason why I'm not like very negative towards leverage trading as a th- as a tool because it, like you said, it's, it can be like a very nice tool for, for, for good traders and for people who, who know how to do it. But these leverage trading platforms, they wouldn't be so rich if you if you would think like, yeah, all the people there are winning money, it's not the case. You know that 95% are losing their money on these platforms and that's the reason why they are so rich. Um, that's what I have a problem with is that some people promote it um, just straight up and they receive a big paycheck at the end of the month from the platform because they wrecked so much followers. And that is the problem that I have with it. I Well, I didn't think I'd actually end up agreeing with you completely, but... I can't really argue with anything you've said. If if you're not putting out any trading education, if you're not giving people good reasons to use these platforms, then you're you are just shilling, knowing that they're going to lose money. The way I um the reason I do it and I think it's very useful is because everyone who follows me is primarily doing it for trading. Whereas I'm sure a lot of traders follow you. So do a lot of people for your news content, for staying up to date in the space, a lot more investors. So I've got my trading education, but I've also got specific leverage trading education. And I'll never send anyone to a leverage trading platform before sending them to that tutorial saying, listen, there's two ways you need to use leverage. One, if you're trading with a position size that doesn't adhere to your current risk, say your risk is $100 per trade, and you're trading, let's say $1,000 per trade, you're trading a 10k portfolio, but your stop loss is say, um, x percent away. So your stop loss is only half a percent away. That way you can use a 20 grand position and still adhere to only losing say $1,000 for that trade. And then the other side is mitigating counterparty risk. So big reason to use leverage trading is because I don't want to have 100K up on an exchange to trade one of my systems. I'd rather put 10K on an exchange and then use 10X leverage. And then I I just mitigate a whole bunch of risk on myself. So those are the only two scenarios where I think using leverage is okay. Should never ever be used to how a lot of uneducated people, like you said, would use it, which is just, okay, I've got 10K but now I can open a 100K position. Let's go. Yeah, definitely. I can only agree with that. I mean, like you also have like the right, um, the right followers to, to talk about it and you also bring the right content. So indeed you give like the risk warning, you give like the tutorials and everything they need to know. But there are so many people, unfortunately, that have an entirely different um, kind of content on their Twitter or YouTube and an entirely different kind of public and promoting it to them without like any of these things that you mentioned, that is like, yeah, that's what I hate about it. And, and I mean, like if you put away your, your, your values in life uh, for money, then I have a problem with that. So I have like very strong values in life and, and I would never promote something like that even Though I know if I would do it, that I would definitely triple my monthly income. 
from from YouTube. I, I simply know that, but I am still going to do it because of that. Let me counter that. You would, but only short term, because all these people that throw their values under the bus mm-hmm. uh, just suffer psychologically unless they're a sociopath, like that's going to someday catch up to them. Um, they'll meet, if they get huge, they'll, the percentage of people which they'll hurt will continually go up and up. And also the probability of them getting huge just decreases because um, getting a loyal following, people who believe with you, like you said with YouTube, it's people that keep tuning in, keep listening to you long-term, building slowly that loyal audience that really appreciate you as a person and your values is going to pay so much more, both financially and emotionally, than throwing your values away ever will. True. Can only agree with that. Nice. Quinton, um, final topic, and I saved this right until the end, and I know it's a big part of your book as well. Gold versus Bitcoin. The floor is yours. Talk to me. I think both. I think both. In my opinion, Bitcoin is um, is this, has the same values as gold, more or less. Um, but it is so much more. I mean, like Bitcoin is a new new store of value, which is the same as as gold. But it's also a new payment system. It's a new monetary system. Um, it's still so small compared to gold as well. So um, I would still prefer Bitcoin over gold. But of course, gold is less volatile, uh, in my opinion. Still a lot of lot of potential for gold, but there are some problems with that. And I think the main problem, the main difference, is that Bitcoin has this uh, max cap of twenty one million, and gold doesn't have this. You hear sometimes like um, the saying that there could be gold in uh, meteorites um, uh, above the earth, and if you shoot it, then maybe like it will like rain gold flakes over the earth, and then the price of gold will collapse. Or another thing that I, I often think of is like technology is evolving so quickly that maybe in a few years we will be able to have like some kind of technology to look into the earth crust and to just find gold this way like some kind of thing that you put into the ground and then you can can like um locate all the gold and then it's a lot easier to to like dig up all this gold. We don't know how much there is and we don't know if it's going to stay like this, especially the inflation rate of around 1.5 to 2% per year. It's the same for Bitcoin as for gold right now. But like maybe if we will find a technology like I just described to look into the earth crust um, and easily just take all of it up, then then we can have like an inflation of 10, 20%. And that will inevitably um, lead towards a, a price decrease, uh, or even like a price collapse. So so that's, that's the thing that I don't like about gold. But I still think that it has already proved itself throughout thousands of years. So I still believe in gold. I think it's awesome. I think it 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 is still like from 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 a lot of value. But um, yeah, that's my opinion on it. Definitely. So both both, but I still prefer prefer Bitcoin for several reasons. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I saw two parts to that argument. Number one, Bitcoin is a lot more use cases. There's a lot more we can use Bitcoin for than we can use gold for. Uh, and also, then there are. I mean, I'm questioning the probability of asteroid mining in our lifetimes. Um, I could be completely wrong here, but um, and also that device which finds it 
how how likely are these events? Have you looked into the actual probability of creating something like this within our lifetime, which really is the period of time which we'll be investing into these products? Yeah, definitely. I I I have no clue if that's possible, but I think if you just um, objectively look to the last twenty years and the development of technology in the last twenty years, it's not, in my opinion, unthinkable that we will have something like this in twenty years. I mean. Um, Technology is only going to develop exponentially from here. Uh, it, it did in the last several years, and it, in my opinion, it will in the next several decades. So um, I think there is a, it's likely in our lifetimes. Of course, that's not my uh, my field of expertise, but um, I think that's likely if you just objectively look to to how technology will develop over the next several decades. So um, yeah, maybe like not like asteroid mining, like you said, um, but maybe there is going to be like some kind of technology uh, because like mining gold is still um, not like a very technological thing to do. It's still like very, how you say that, like um, um, without technology, you know, like there's not a lot of technology involved in mining gold still today. So I think there is a probability that we are going to see this uh, in the next several decades. Yeah, I haven't looked into it hugely, but um, if there is a um, lot of inefficiency in gold mining itself, because um, I read this stat one time and it could be completely wrong, but that all all the gold in the world that's available can fit under the Eiffel Tower. Now, that could be completely wrong, but it's a random stat I heard. So maybe there isn't that much gold, so there isn't that much technology going into it. Like I said, could be completely wrong, not even close to my field of expertise. Uh, Let's dive into the second part of that. So focusing specifically on why will Bitcoin succeed? Because I know you're a big believer in Bitcoin itself, as well as Ethereum or, and Litecoin, but I'm sorry, not Litecoin and Link, but I'm guessing Bitcoin is your main one. Is that correct? Yeah, Bitcoin is also my my, my biggest holding. It is like uh, 36% of my portfolio to be exact. Um, but I am, yeah, I am like a, a big believer of it because I, I know what is wrong with uh, with the current financial system, the current monetary system. Um, if you see what's happening with Corona, the amount of money that they're printing, um, I mean, they will need to keep on printing the same amounts over the next several years or it will collapse anyway. I mean, like if they want to save all these um, zombie businesses uh, that were were almost going bankrupt even before Corona, they're saving that with tons of money, tons of money. Um they will need to keep on pumping in this money into the economy, into saving businesses. Um, so it's 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 really like um, it's not going to end, in my opinion. This is just they they begin with doing this, so they will continue. They will need to continue to um, to print so much money, otherwise it will collapse anyway. So um, there is a lot wrong with our current monetary system, and also if you look to history, which I really like uh, studied in for for writing my book, um, you you see like. Um, that always when 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 fiat money pops up throughout history throughout monetary systems these civilizations they always collapse so we already knew from history that um fiat systems or partial fiat systems let's let's call it like that um never ended up well i think it'd be really interesting for our listeners to maybe hear some examples about uh, like uh, previously failed monetary systems. Yeah, sure. Uh, I know our current one is the US dollar. I think mm-hmm. that's 
global market creates the global world currency. What was the one before that? Well, um, the, the most famous example of like how fiat influenced like a world position um, and eventually collapsed the civilization is the Roman Empire. So we had like um, two main um, coins uh, in the Roman Empire, which were uh, the Aureus and the Denarius. I don't know how to say it. Aureus and Denarius. I don't know how to say it in English. Sorry. But uh, um, these, these two coins, they were like um, a lot of gold and a lot of silver. And, and that's why a lot of um, um, people from around Europe joined their army to be paid in these like valuable coins because the position of these coins were like uh, broadly accepted as being like the, the main coins in the, the European continent. Um, but after that, um, they needed more money because they had so much um, so much um, territory in Europe that they conquered. Um, they needed to still pay this massive army and they weren't able to do so. So what they did was like they, they made like new coins with like less silver and less gold. But that really made like the position of the Roman Empire um, go down like the the reputation of these coins um in in the european continent and other um arabic countries they had like better um better coins so they preferred these ones over the roman empire a lot of these um people that joined the army that were not from the roman empire they left and eventually it all collapsed but this was a very good example of 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 how um making your coins um, from less valuable stuff, like indeed, like less and less and less um, gold, eventually um, collapsed the Roman Empire, and that's a very big example, in my opinion. Um, and it, 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 it's not only for them; it's also for for from a lot of other um, examples throughout history where they needed money and they started taking out like the valuable stuff out of their coins, um, replace it with like less valuable stuff. Their reputation worldwide went down and eventually they collapsed. It happened so many times. So why wouldn't it happen right now? Maybe a reason that I can think of is because um, as well as Europe, as the United States, as China, they all have fiat currencies. So there is no preferred currency that is more valuable because they are all like fiat currencies. But we have this alternative right now, Bitcoin which is a world coin. And I think Bitcoin could be the reason that eventually more and more people are going to uh, prefer Bitcoin because of its values um, over these fiat currencies. So I think that it's not very obvious right now um, to like prefer one coin over another because it's all like fiat currencies. But I think Bitcoin could be like this um, this key component to to trigger like the collapse eventually of fiat currencies. So I don't think this is going to happen straight away. But I think like um, the United States and Europe, etc., they will need to 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 change some stuff and they will need to um, do something about this. Otherwise, Bitcoin will take over, or maybe even gold or whatever. Yeah, that's Bitcoin. Really, is the first solution. To this problem because um with, previously with the roman empire they had like you said they had the gold and the silver but they just diluted that so even though they were using limited resources and at the time those were absolutely finite i mean i don't think the inflation rate was very high they just diluted it. but when it comes to bitcoin there is no dilution there's nothing you can do like you can try fork it and make something like bitcoin cash but it's still not bitcoin you know Definitely. So 
Quinton, that was fascinating. Thank you for those final stories you've shared. Uh, I think our listeners are going to gain a lot out of this episode, from investing to writing books, building reputations, networking, um, building YouTube businesses, crypto as a whole, comparing it to gold. We've just hit a whole bunch of incredible topics. Thank you so much for your time. Before we wrap up this episode, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? I know you've got your incredible channel, Young and Investing, which they should all be subscribed to. Um, most of our listeners are English speaking, but they should be on the lookout for when your book comes out in English as well. Um, yeah, stage is yours, man. Anything you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, first of all, it was like uh, it was very cool to to be here. Thanks for having me, Kurush. I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, they can they if they want, they can follow me on on YouTube um, or on Twitter. I guess there will be some links somewhere here uh, under the video and the, and the podcast. So um, and if they if some people are Dutch speaking, um, you can look up my book. It's called The Bitcoin Revolution. It's uh, the Bitcoin Revolution um, in in English. So. Um, yeah, they can they can look that up, and and I'm always happy to hear feedback. And and yeah, thanks again for having me, Krush. Was a pleasure. What a great outro, Quinton. I look forward to seeing you again on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Market Meditations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like us to continue bringing you fascinating people from across the world, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you like to listen to these podcasts and share the episode with a friend. If you have feedback or an idea for a potential guest, reach out to me on Twitter at Karush AK. And do not forget, we write a newsletter covering all important topics in crypto and traditional markets. We send it out three times a week the Market Meditations newsletter. You also get early access to these episodes and you get transcripts and extra notes as well. So make sure to subscribe there as well.